Scripture reading this morning is taken from Matthew 9, verses 35 through 38. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Let us pray. Dear Lord, our Father in heaven, uh, thank you, God, just for the day to come and uh, congregate with our church family. Um, God, we just pray now that uh, you will please just, just clear our mind from everything that's a distraction, God. Please just help us now to, to focus and to let go of the world, God. Just let everything else uh, go away, Father. And we pray, Father, that we will be able to, to just really pay attention and really focus and learn from today's lesson, apply it to our lives. Pray it shall be with Andy when he brings our lesson, God. Pray it shall be with Jesse when he sings God, and I pray it shall be with all of us, Father, um, just so that we will be able to apply this to our everyday lives. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Our next song will be number 301 if you're using a book. I will sing the wondrous story, 301. We'll be singing the first three verses of this song. I will sing the wondrous story of the Christ who died for me, how he left his home in glory for the cross of Calvary. Yes, I'll sing the wondrous story of the Christ who died for me. Sing it with the saints in glory gathered by the crystal sea. I was lost, but Jesus found me, found the sheep that went astray. Through his loving arms around me, drew me back into his way. Yes, I'll sing the wondrous story of the Christ who died for me. Sing it with the saints in glory, gathered by the crystal sea. I was bruised, but Jesus healed me. Faint was I from many a fall. Sight was gone, but fear possessed me. But he freed me from them all. Yes, I'll sing the wondrous story of the Christ who died for me. Sing it with the saints in glory, gathered by the crystal sea. Our song before the lesson this morning will be number 297. 297, I want to be a worker. We'll sing all three verses of this song, and if you will, let's stand for this song as well. Uh, 
I want to be a worker for the Lord. I want to love and trust His holy word. I want to sing and pray and be busy every day in the vineyard of the Lord. I will work, I will pray in the vineyard, in the vineyard of the Lord. I will work, I will pray, I will labor every day in the vineyard of the Lord. I want to be a worker every day. I want to lead the erring in the way that leads to heaven above where all is peace and love in the kingdom of the Lord. I will work, I will pray in the vineyard, in the vineyard of the Lord. I will work, I will pray, I will labor every day in the vineyard of the Lord. I want to be a worker strong and brave. I want to trust in Jesus' power to save. All who will truly come shall find a happy home in the kingdom of the Lord. I will work and pray, I will work and pray in the vineyard, in the vineyard of the Lord, of the Lord. I will work, I will pray, I will labor every day in the vineyard of the Lord. Thank you. Be seated. Good morning, church family. Good to see you. Hope that you are doing well and glad that we can, can be back together to worship. If you're visiting with us, thank you so much for being here. I know we have a few visitors. Uh, you are our honored guest, and we hope that you will uh, be here with us. And we thank you for joining us here in our worship service as we uh, come together as a family to worship God. And you are here with us, and we are thankful that you're here. And we would ask for just a little bit of your time after services so that we can talk to you. You can talk to us. We can get to know each other better as we continue on our journey towards heaven. Uh, Over the last several weeks, we've been talking about some things that we want to be important here at Jefferson Avenue, but let me me start to begin to phrase it a little differently. We've been talking about things that are important here at Jefferson Avenue. Not things that we want to be, but these are things that are important here. We want to love God. We love God with everything that we've got. We love our neighbor as ourselves. We are disciples of Jesus, and we want to help other people be disciples of Jesus. If you're visiting with us and that's something you're interested in being a part of, we want you to be a part of it. We want you to be a part of this effort. And brothers and sisters, let's remember that, yes, we've got some room to grow. Yes, we can do better in all of those things, loving God, loving others, being disciples, and making disciples. But that is what we are striving to do. And I'm excited because next month in April, you're going to have a lot of opportunities, a lot of great things that are happening, uh, not just on Sundays, but certainly on Sundays that you can uh, invite your friends, your family, your neighbors to be a part of. Uh, Coming up in a couple of weeks, we're going to have our our spring fling. So especially for anybody who has uh, little kids or maybe your grandkids or your neighbors or things like that, uh, on April the 10th, we're going to have a a service and uh, David Fox is going to be preaching and he's going to, to recognize 
recognize we're especially going to, uh, we're going to leverage some relationships that we have with our Mother's Day Out program. We're inviting all of those families to come and be a part of that worship service. We're going to recognize them, recognize any other uh, visitors or guests that are there with us that day, and certainly uh, overemphasize, I guess, in some ways, our appreciation for them uh, and the relationships that we have with them. Following our morning services on the 10th, we'll have a, a quick meal of uh, probably pizza, uh, because it's generally geared towards our, our young kids, but we want everybody to stay if you want to stay. Uh, we'll have that over in the, the Fellowship Center, the gym, uh, and then we're going to have an egg hunt, so that'll be a great opportunity. So if you are looking for an excuse, and brothers and sisters, we are looking for excuses, reasons, easy invitations to get people connected with the church, there's one for you on April the 10th. I hope that you will. Uh, kids, I hope all of you will be here. hope you'll invite your friends, your neighbors. Uh, again, grandparents, invite your grandkids. Uh, and let's get as many people as we can here so that we can uh, share the gospel of Jesus and really just worship together and appreciate the opportunity that we can have to be together. So, of course, that's April the 10th. Uh, on April 17th, that's Easter Sunday. Uh, and lots of people will be thinking about church activities that may not think about church activities any other day of the year. Uh, so certainly, we want to be an area, a place where they can come and be a part of a worship service, as they may, that may be the only Sunday that they generally ever go to a service. Well, we want them to go here if they're going to go anywhere. So again, invite people, invite your friends, invite your neighbors, invite people that again are, are kind of not super religious, but maybe on that day they're thinking about it, they're, think, they're looking for a place to go, and this is a wonderful place for them to come and be. Uh, and then on April 23rd and 24th, you've probably seen it in the bulletin, you've probably seen it uh, scrolling through on the, uh, the announcement sheets uh, or the announcements on our, our screen behind me, um, but we haven't really talked about it a whole lot. We have our Love Where You Live weekend, April 23rd and 24th. And this plays specifically into what are we going to do? There's been some questions about, you know, we've been talking about loving God, loving others, uh, being and making disciples. Even, even as far back as the, the first Sunday that I was here, uh, you remember, you may remember this story if you were here then. Uh, I told you that the Saturday night before I preached my first sermon as the preacher here back in uh, 2020, October of 2020, I came in late Saturday night. Uh, to the building, and I was expecting nobody else to be here. But do you remember who I met? I met Ben Brown, and I thought he was going to shoot me. Uh, you remember that? Uh, remember, I, he looked like a guy who would be packing some heat, and uh, he didn't know who I was, and I didn't know who he was, and I thought he was going to shoot me that night. That night, you know what Ben Brown asked me? He asked me, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And he, he was echoing the thoughts of folks his age, and maybe many of you that had been in a church for a little while that needed to do some healing, that needed to, to go through some things, and we've been doing that for a while now, but the, the question of, and even now as we've been thinking about loving God, loving others, being and making disciples, those are beautiful words, and last week we talked about we want to make sure those things are more than words, so the question is, what are we going to do? Well, Love Where You Live weekend on April 23rd and 24th is the beginning in some ways of the answer to the question, what are we going to do? This is a service weekend where on Saturday we're going to have a number of service projects and on Sunday afternoon we're going to have a number of service projects. And my dream and my goal and what the leadership here at Jefferson Avenue wants is for everyone who's here, everyone who's a member of JA, to sign up and be a part of some service project that weekend. 
Here, here are just some of the things that we're going to do, not an exhaustive list. And in reality, when I make this list to you, I'm also asking you if you know of places in our community that need help, that we can go and help, we want to help them. And I don't know all the places, and you don't know all the places, but together we know a lot of places. Here are some of the places we're going to go to. Uh, we're going to go to a, a couple different children's homes probably, and, and have a couple different things that are going on there. We're in contact with Sycamore Elementary that we're a sponsor of, and also um, Parkview Elementary, which is just right down the street. We're asking them, what are some things that if you had uh, 10 to 15 people for two or three hours, what are some things that you could use us to do? Maybe we'll paint a hallway. Maybe we'll clean out some flower beds. We're going to do anything they want us to do because we're reaching out to our community. We're leaving this place in a lot of ways, and we're getting out of these walls, and we're going out into our community because we love where we live and we love the people who are here. Uh, Jesse has, a, and Jesse and the youth group have been working with uh, a local foster closet. This is a, a place where people who foster children, they can go to the foster closet and they can get anything they need. Doesn't that sound awesome? Doesn't that sound like a great thing that if you were, if you had the heart, if you were, or you know people who, who have the heart and the patience and the kindness and the goodness within themselves to take in foster children, and certainly when they have that, they have a tremendous amount of needs, well, the foster closet is a place that meets those needs. And we're going to have an opportunity on, on Saturday and maybe on Sunday as well to, to go and to, to work alongside them. On, sun, uh, on Saturday night, we're going to go down to the mission, and we're going to serve a meal to them, and we're going to have a devotional with everyone who's at the mission. Uh, at 5 o'clock on Saturday, the 23rd. So I hope that you'll be a part of that. Uh, we're working with the Preg- Pregnancy Crisis Center. Uh, we're going to do a couple things there. One of the things that we're going to do that's going to start that day on the 24th, that Sunday, and it's actually going to end on uh, Mother's Day, is we're going to do a, a diaper drive, a wipes drive. We're going to do a drive for anybody uh, for what new mothers need. And, and it's a pregnancy crisis center, so these are, these are ladies dealing with all kinds of circumstances and all kinds of difficulties, but here's the deal. They're about to have a baby, and they need help. And they may not have anybody else in this community who loves them. But you know what? We do. So we're going to have a drive to, to give them some supplies that's going to help them and show them how much we love and care about them. So those are some of the places uh, that we're going to be working with, with on the Love Where You Live weekend. I hope, I pray that you will be a part of at least one of those things, even if it's just bringing in a, a, a box of diapers. Uh, be a part of something because we need to make sure that, that our community knows who J.A. is. And they need to know a face. They need to know people more than a place, a building. Yes, we want them to come here, and there may be some service projects that we do specifically that are here, but the reality is we've got to get out of this place, and we've got to go out to where the people are and reach out to them. So, so April is a fantastic opportunity for some very easy opportunities for you to invite people to come here and for you to go out and leave this place and serve our community. So if you're a member here, I hope that you'll be a part of that. If you're not a member here, I hope that you'll be a part of that. If, if you, if you, this is the first time you've been here or you've been here for a while, but you haven't placed membership, that's fine. We just want you to serve. We want to, we want to let our light shine in such a way that they may see our good works and glorify our great heavenly father who is in heaven. Let's pray. God, we come to you and we are thankful for all that you are. Lord, help us to be all that you want us to be. Lord, forgive us when we fail. Lord, we fall short of your glory so often. But Lord, we're striving to follow in your footsteps on that narrow way, that difficult path that leads to heaven. Lord, we don't lean upon or trust in our own abilities or our own service or our own uh, ability to just be who you want us to be. Lord, we fully rely upon you. And Lord, as we follow you, we follow your footsteps. Lord, we rely upon Jesus who is the way, the truth, and the life and the only way to get to you. 
Lord, thank you for your grace, your mercy, and the peace that comes through the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Forgive us for our sins. And when we fall, help us to stand up and try again. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 7. We'll be there shortly. Matthew chapter 7. If I, if I came here this morning and I uh, started the sermon with, or at some point during the sermon, if I questioned you or challenged you uh, on a, a number of things, what would your response be? If I came in this morning and I, I challenged your happiness, I challenged what are the things that, you, that make you happy, and I said those aren't the things that should make you happy, what would your response be? If I came in and I questioned your integrity and I said, you know, I I don't really trust you very much. I don't think you're a very trustworthy person. If I questioned your integrity, what would your response be? If I came in this morning and I looked at you and I I looked at your marriage and I I challenged the the venality of your marriage or questioned the, uh, the rightness of your marriage, what would your response be? If I questioned your pride or if I called you arrogant or I questioned or challenged you and said, you're not humble enough. What would your response be? If I came in and I challenged your biases or your prejudices and I said, you're too prejudiced or you have too many biases and they're ungodly and they're unchristlike and and you're thinking things that God doesn't want you to think, what would your response be? If I questioned your motives or I challenged your priorities or I questioned your values or if I called you a hypocrite or I questioned your pursuits or I questioned or challenged your common sense, what would your response be? Jesus does all of those things in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 on the Sermon on the Mount. And notice the people's response. In Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 28. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 28. It says, when Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one with having authority and not as their scribes. Now, we are impressed by the fact that they were amazed by his teachings. But he gets right all up in their business. He doesn't just give a good general sermon of, hey, you need to be a better person and you need to not sin so much and you need to do good godly things. No, he gets into the details of their life. And he challenges them and he questions them. What would your response be? You know what? I know what some of your responses would be because I've done that a little bit and I've seen what some of your responses are. Some good, some otherwise. Notice chapter 8 and verse 1. When Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. Jesus got all up in their life. Notice the results. They were amazed. They were challenged. They were questioned. And they still followed him. Why did people put up with Jesus? The reality is if I did that a little bit or if I did that, if I did that a lot, if I questioned or, or challenged you or, or pushed you over and over again without every now and then encouraging you and giving you a pat on the back, the, the, the reality is that there would be some pushback. There might be a lot of pushback. If that's all we did, is all, all we did was challenge each other, not encourage each other, and stir one another up to love and good deeds. So, so, so why did people put up with Jesus? Why were they willing to, uh, to, to listen to him and, and to continue to follow him even after he directly 
challenge many of the things that were going on in their lives. So let's look back to the beginning, right before the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, let's look at verses 23 through 25. Matthew chapter 4, verses 23 through 25. It says, right before he goes up on the mountain to preach this Sermon on the Mount that we uh, can look at and appreciate and notice the challenge that he has over and over again, it says in verse 23 of chapter 4, Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. The news about him spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all those who were ill, those suffering with various diseases and pains, demonics, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them large crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. What does this say? They were, he, Jesus was going about, he was talking and teaching and telling. But why did the people come? Why did the people come? Look again at verses 24 and 25. The news about him spread. Well, what news about him spread? Well, what, why did people come? The news about him spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him not those who were interested necessarily in the gospel, not those who were necessarily interested in his his spiritual teaching, but they brought to him all those who were ill, those suffering with various diseases and pains, demonics, epileptics, paralytics, and, and he healed them. Large crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. Why did the people come? Because Jesus was meeting their needs. They had great needs. Dealing with a lot of things in their life. Sicknesses and other, other things that were going on. And Jesus saw those needs and he met those needs. Why did Jesus do it this way? And as we think about this morning, as we think about as who we are, if we are disciples of Christ, if we are people who are following Jesus, if Jesus did it this way, why did he do it this way? And does that mean if we are following Jesus' example, should we also do it this way? Now, I will preface this a little bit. Did Jesus teach in other methods? Yes, he did. He, he met crowds, he saw crowds, he, he went to crowds. But a lot of the time, the people, the crowds that are following him, follow him because he did it this way. And what way did he do it? He saw their needs first, and he met their physical needs before he met their spiritual needs. And if we are followers of Jesus, we, I'm going to suggest to you, should follow that same example. We should meet physical needs, and if we do, we will have opportunity to meet spiritual needs but if we go up to people like our brother james tells us if we go up to people and we see them hungry if we see them sad or we see them weary and we don't care about that but we say hey let me tell you about baptism or let me tell you about this or let me tell you about this doctrine or that doctrine they're not going to be able to listen to us in some ways until we meet their physical needs that's why there are uh breakfast programs at school right because children will not learn at school if they are hungry Reading, writing, and math are important. The gospel is more important. If they're not going to learn those reading, writing, and math type of things because they're hungry, if people are distressed and dispirited and lost and hungry and needing food or clothing or whatever else it might be, they're not going to listen to the gospel until those needs are met first. Why did Jesus do it this way? 
Turn to Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 9 in a few minutes, uh, a couple of different times. Jesse, uh, this, this week as we were talking in one of our conversations at the office, he brought, back, brought up a beautiful point. I didn't tell him that I was going to steal it, but Jesse, I'm stealing it. Uh, and it, it was a beautiful point that I think plays directly into this. Why did Jesus do it this way? Why did he meet people's needs first? And then as he was doing that, as he was meeting their physical needs, he continued to meet their, their other needs, uh, their spiritual needs. Why did he do it this way? Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36. Seeing the people. Okay, so let me, let me stop here. This is the kind of the point that Jesus brought up, uh, that Jesse brought up. Jesus brings it up too. Um, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount. He, he's healing people beforehand. He teaches them. And then in Matthew chapters 8 and 9, Jesus is continually, over and over and over again, day after day, he's going to this place and he's meeting physical needs and healing people and teaching people. He's going to another place and meeting physical needs and teaching people and healing people and telling them about Jesus. And he goes place after place after place after place. And then large crowds continue to follow them because if you meet people's needs, they will be interested in what you have to say. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, Jesus, seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Another version says they were harassed and thrown down like sheep without a shepherd. Why did Jesus do it this way? He's walking and he's talking and he's teaching and he's healing and he's telling and he's, he's doing all of these things. Why did he do it this way? Because Jesus had the audacity to care about everyone he met. Do we? Jesus had the audacity to care about everyone. Those who were of high station, those who were of low station, those who could pay their bills and those who were homeless, those who knew the Old Testament scripture in the first century and those who didn't know anything about God. Jesus had the audacity to care about them. Turn back to Matthew chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 24 and 25 again. I, I don't know if, if you're like me, uh, but it's so easy when we read the Bible, especially if we've been reading the Bible for, for a, a number of years, it's so easy to just pass over and, and, and almost ignore the amazing things that the Bible tells us that God does, that Jesus does. Notice again, verse 24 and 25. The news about Jesus spread throughout all Syria. You've heard this before. We've already read it twice, but listen to it again. And they brought to him all those who were ill, those suffering with various diseases and pains, demonics, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. Large crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond all the Jordan. Now, again, I read that fast, you read it fast, we just gloss over that. But can I tell you that these verses, as I was preparing for this lesson, mean just a little bit more to me recently? Uh, as most of you are aware, my dad has been having, uh, has had two seizures, okay? He's only had two, but he's had two seizures. And in both of those things, he, he hasn't been able to control himself. He's been completely out of it. Sometime for, for a really long time, the first time, for a pretty short time, the second time, but... He's been to, to doctor after doctor after doctor after doctor, test after test after test after test, and you know what they found out? Absolutely nothing. My mom looked it up, and I, I didn't verify this, but I'm going to trust her that to be, to be diagnosed as an epileptic, you only have to have three seizures. My dad's one away from being diagnosed as epileptic. I don't know what these people's situations were in the first century, 
But I know what my mom and dad's situation is. My dad's fine. You guys ask about him all the time. I really appreciate it. Let me just tell everybody. When my dad's not having a seizure, he's perfectly fine. The problem is when he's having a seizure, he's not perfectly fine. And the bigger problem is they don't know why it's happening. And they've been to every doctor. They've been to neurologists. They've done blood tests. They've done everything they can think about to figure out what is going on. And they don't know what's going on. And I imagine that 2,000 years ago, before Jesus goes up on that nearby mountain and they're bringing in these epileptics and all these other people, these are people who are dealing with things and you know what? They don't know why they're happening. And I can associate and understand their frustration a little better now than I ever could before. And we, it says various diseases and sicknesses. I don't know if cancer existed in the first century. Certainly not by that name. I don't know if some of the other diseases that we have names for today existed in the first century, but I know there were other kinds of sicknesses. Sicknesses that were prevalent, sicknesses that were ongoing, sicknesses that people couldn't get rid of. They didn't know what was going on. They, they were just so frustrated because they couldn't get better. And Jesus saw their needs and met their needs. And because of they were willing to follow him. Now, today... We can't do that in the same way Jesus did. I understand that. Miracles of, of healing and that sort of thing, don't, don't it, we, don't, we don't have access to that like they did in the first century. I get it. But do we have people who are sick? Do we have people who are paralytic? Do we have people who uh, have various diseases and sicknesses and, and they're frustrated and they, they don't know what to do? They don't know where to turn? They're so frustrated. Do we have people who are distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd? They're just wandering through this life without any aim or purpose. We're surrounded by people like that, aren't we? Sometimes we're surrounded by people like that right here. But certainly in the world, we're surrounded by people who are like that. And they have great needs and they have little needs. And we have the ability to not only meet their spiritual needs, which, yes, is the most important thing, but we have the ability to meet their physical needs. And those things need to go hand in hand. Why? Because Jesus, why did he do it this way? Because he had the audacity to care about them. Did Jesus know that that a large majority of those thousands of people who were following him would not really follow him long term? Certainly he did. Well, he didn't know that many of them would turn away. Did he know that, that in the end his, his, his followers would probably be 30 or less when he's hanging upon that cross? Everyone else, including his own apostles, those who were with him constantly, they, 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 they ran away in his, his biggest time of need? Did he know that? Yes. He knew that these people, many of them that he would heal, many of them that he touched and that he looked at in the eyes as he healed them, he knew that many of them would not follow them and, and did that matter well yeah in some ways of course it mattered but he cared about them enough to help them anyway we need to care about our community we need to care about our friends our family our enemies strangers loved ones and people that we've never met we need to have the audacity to care about people just like jesus did cookville needs to know jefferson avenue but they need to know a face more than a place in matthew chapter 9 again let's read verses 35 38. This is the point really that Jesse brought up to us in our conversation, which is a powerful point that ties into what we're talking about. Again, 
In Matthew chapter 8 and 9, Jesus has, has gone around. I think he's in this instance, he's healed uh, Peter's mother who's been sick. He's healed a number of other people. He's, he's been face-to-face with folks. I think right after he comes down from the mountain in Matthew chapter 8, I think he heals a leper. I mean, he, he's healing just everybody and anybody. Anybody who comes to him, he, he's healing them. He's helping them, and he's, he's sending them on their way, giving them some spiritual truth as, he, as he's doing this. And, and notice what he says again in Matthew chapter 9, verses 36, 35 through 38. Jesus was going through at all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. And it seems almost as if Jesus, in in the midst of this, in the midst of healing and healing and and, and walking from place to place, and remember, he says that, you know, uh, uh, the birds have their nest and foxes have their holes, but the Son of Man doesn't have a a rock to lay his head on. He's not getting good restful sleep in a a five-star hotel each night. He's living in a tent, probably. Sometimes it seems that he's just living out underneath the stars. I mean, that's where he's he's sleeping. So he he is just, just, just imagine the kind of daily life that Jesus and his apostles and and the thousands of people that are following him that's the kind of life and and it seems as if he just has a moment where he stops and he turns around seeing the people he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd then he turns to those closest to him, those who have followed him the longest or the closest. And he turns to his disciples and says, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech, beg, fall on your knees before the Lord God Almighty, the Lord of the harvest, to send out workers into his harvest. This is powerful. Jesus the Son of God who's performing all of these miracles, it seems as if he's having a little bit of a moment here. He's having a little bit of a moment where, yes, even Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is overwhelmed by the work that is to be done. And he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Perhaps even in his own mind saying, I'm the only one doing this. And he turns to his disciples, he would say to us today, fall on your knees before the Lord God and beg him to send more help. You know what Jesus is doing? He's asking for help. Jesus is asking for help today in Cookville, Tennessee. Putnam County, there's some 80 plus thousand people, at least half of them unchurched, have no connection with church or, or with religion or, or haven't committed themselves to anything. The harvest, there are plenty of people who need to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God has asked, he has commanded, and he has given the privilege to his church to be the workers in the harvest. I don't know what Jesus would say to us today. I don't know how overwhelmed he would be by the opportunity that surrounds us every day. But I have no doubt that he will remind us of his example of looking at the people and even looking at us sometimes and seeing that we're distressed. The people around us in the world are are dispirited. They're, They're cast down. They don't know what to do. They're wandering around not having any aim or any purpose. And he would say to us, The harvest is plentiful, 
but the workers are few. And maybe he would look at you in the eye and he would say, will you be a worker for the Lord? Will you go out into the field? Will you plant the seed? Will you have the audacity just to care about people? In Jesus' world and in our world today, most people don't care about people. Most people care about themselves. Most people care about the ones they love. But most people don't care about everybody. Jesus had the audacity to care about everybody. And he expects the same of us. This morning, in the coming weeks, on Love Where You Live weekend, today, will you have the audacity to love people like Jesus loved him? People who are like you, people whom you like, people who are not like you, and people who you don't like. Will you love them enough to see whatever need they may have, whether it's physical, emotional, or spiritual, and meet those needs? That's the pattern of the example that God has given to us. And we would be wise as followers of Jesus to follow that same example. Brothers and sisters, you know as well as I do, many of you know better than I do because you've lived here longer, that there are many, many people in this world, in Cookville and the surrounding areas, that need Jesus and that we have the opportunity to share Jesus with. And that starts with, I think, I think personally, fundamentally, it starts with meeting their physical needs before we meet their spiritual needs. So maybe you don't know what to say to somebody about Jesus. Maybe you don't know what, to, what scripture to go to when you first are having a Bible study with them. But, but do you know how to make sure hungry people are fed? Do you know how to make sure that, that sad people are, are able to find some sort of joy in their life? Do you know some sort of physical or emotional need that you might be able to help meet in some way? Well, just start there. Just start there. And maybe you'll have the opportunity to meet their spiritual needs as well. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, God loves you. Uh, He loves you enough to to meet your most important need. And that was the fact that your sin, your failure to live up to God's standard and your decisions to do things that you know you ought not to do, that has separated you from God. And Jesus Christ and God himself loves you enough to come to this earth and to die on, on the cross and be raised miraculously on the third day. And that gives us a hope. That gives us, God, he's, the, he's the God of the living and the dead, the book of Romans tells us. He wants to give you a, a future and a hope in heaven. And if you want to know more about that, uh, we'd love to study with you about that. But this lesson, if we're honest, this lesson's for us, isn't it, J.A.? Uh, to not tell you anything you don't already know, but hopefully to stir you on to love and good deeds. Let's leave this place today and go out into our world and whatever need God presents to us, let's meet it the best that we can. Uh, Brothers and sisters, guests with us this morning, if you need anything, we want to be here for you. We want to help you. Uh, We're going to sing a song here in just a second. And uh, uh, something that we do here is you can come forward and sit on one of these front pews and I'll be there to meet you and I'll talk to you about whatever's going on and we'll lead a prayer and we'll, we'll try and help you in whatever ways we can. Uh, if you don't feel comfortable coming forward, that's fine. We understand that. Uh, what our elders will be around uh, here after services. I'll be uh, in the back in the foyer. If you want to talk to me then, I'd love to talk with you. We just want to help. Uh, there's a heaven to be won, a heaven to go to one day, and we're all trying to help each other get there. And we want to help you in whatever ways we can. 
If you have anything you want to let us know at this time, please come forward as we stand and sing.